teachers. Welcome to the teacher's room. Today we're meeting with some teachers to talk about teaching corporate classes and what that experience is like, how it might be different from teaching kids classes, how to prepare, all that kind of stuff. So today you'll hear some tips and ideas about doing a great job when teaching corporate students. So I'm here with three teachers and go ahead tell us who you are. I'm Kira. I've been teaching for about four years now, and I'd say 90% of that has been with corporate students. Ah, good. Okay. I'm Nicole, and I've also been teaching for about four years. I would say a little less than 90%, <laughs> but I have done quite a few corporate classes over the years. Cool. Good. I'm Patrick. I haven't been teaching that long, only about one year, and... The bulk of that time has been with corporate students. Prior to teaching, I worked in corporate America for eight years, so I have a lot of experience on that side of it, not necessarily as a teacher first. Right, yeah. So it'll be good to hear your perspective. You're kind of like the teacher and student. I am. Yeah, that's good. So let's start by talking about the corporate students' expectations. What do they want? What do they expect when they have English classes with you? I think a lot of students expect concrete goals and mm -hmm. progress markers. I think when you're teaching kids, it's more about entertaining them uh -huh. and trying to get them involved in the class. But if you do that day after day with corporate students or any adult student, they'll say, why are we doing this? Right. What's the point? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that they have this, and the expectation that you'll show up You'll look professional, you'll have materials prepared, and you will be um, able to help them achieve those goals. Yeah. Because usually they're taking these classes for the reasons of improving in their jobs, because in a lot of cases they have to speak English either via presentations or conference calls, right. and so they want to see those goals actualized right. and, and notice the progress that they're making. Right. Yeah, they want, like, evidence, yes, right? Yes, exactly. In my experience, the students, if you are learning English in a corporate environment, it's because you work for a multinational company, Yeah. right? So you may be owned by a company that's an English-speaking company, or you're regularly working with clients or your own company. Right. So no matter what the level is or what program they're on, if it's conversation or if it's the textbook, the goals seem to be pretty similar, and it's make my communication with my colleagues and clients easier and right. make me feel more confident about that. Yeah. So for me, I think the confidence aspect of it is is probably the biggest motivation for any of these students because they don't have to be in class. For them, it's a benefit. And, right. and I think it's because they, they're working every day and they want it to be just a lot easier for them. Right, yeah. Those are really good words to use, sort of make this easier for me. I think another really key one is uh, like evidence or progress, and then confidence. I think is such a such an important word for teachers to remember because really, if they want to improve their confidence in using English, they're going to look to you as hopefully being the most confident person in the room. So, what can we do to meet those expectations? Be confident yourself. Yeah. Like we said before, where um, if you're going in, if you're prepared you should have the confidence to be there at all. And I think the most important thing for me in my classes is giving them the chance to talk. Yeah. I think a lot of times 
as teachers you might want to explain something or you might get sidetracked with kind of your own thing and you forget that if they're there to practice English then they need to be practicing it yeah. so for them to gain confidence they need to feel like they can talk in class exactly yeah and these are adults and so the funniest thing to me is when I know that they are trying to sidetrack the class. Yeah. yeah. Because I get it. They, they want to learn English. I don't doubt that. All of my students want to learn. But they also like that maybe they have a 90-minute break in the middle of their day. Right. It's stressful for them. And yeah. so next thing I know, I'm like, hey, that's really great and that's interesting, but about these verbs. You know? Right. And so right. you're trying to, to wrangle it back. So it's, sure. it's an interesting experience because you are working with adults. And, yeah. And, you know, you're going to treat them like that, but okay, we do have some more concrete goals to, to circle back to. Right. So it can be funny how much they can act like kids sometimes right. yeah. in right. the middle of the class. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. I sometimes, uh, with certain students, I won't bring a formal outline, but I'll start class by saying, okay, today we're going to work on yeah. this grammar point, this vocabulary, and then usually I'll pick a special skill that they've sort of um, specified in the needs analysis. Yeah. And then that way, you know, we can, if we do start to get off track, you know, okay, well, let's go back to look back two. here. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And also, at the end of class, I like to sort of do a quick summary. Okay, so today, what did we talk about? Yeah. And then also, is there anything next class that you would like to focus on as mm. far as, like, any sort of extra skill? Good. Because I have had requests for writing emails, working on presentations. Yeah. So it's good to sort of have your outline, but also leave it open to... Their input. Exactly. Yeah. I really like starting out the class like that with corporate students because I think for them, it immediately answers the question, why did I come today? Good. Anything else we can do to meet our students' expectations? I know this is a little superficial, yeah. but I think business professionals may, um, they're a little bit image conscious. Yeah. So arrive and look professional. Yeah. You know, have something nice on and, and don't look disheveled and like you right. just rolled out of bed. Right. Like look prepared as well as being prepared. Definitely. That, it matters a lot. It does. In how confident they feel about you and your abilities, sort of how you present yourself it's really important to always have too many activities. If you come and you say, I'm going to teach three activities out of the book, then it's, they'll think maybe, why do we have a teacher? We're just using the book, we're right. just following these activities. So I think it's important to have supplemental yeah. activities in addition to the text. And to not be afraid to use the board or, like you said, yeah, handouts or, or something else that they can't find in the textbook, they wouldn't find on their own. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's also easy to sort of tailor things to their interests. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, uh, I was working on comparatives and superlatives, mm -hmm. and, you know, we've talked about, he, my student loves Starbucks, so, yeah. you know, why not just co compare companies that, that they use here in Chile, like Castaño, Starbucks, Jumbo, you know, whatever. Right. It just makes it seem a little more real to them rather than, you know, company X, Y so that they know. in the yeah. book. Yeah, exactly. good point. I do have the benefit of having a lot of similar experiences in the professional world with yeah. my students. And, you know, in the business result book, a lot of things it talks about, like, you know, starter points of, of a new unit or a new concept of, okay, Tell us about a time um, when you were managing a project in your company. Yeah. And 
you know, sometimes you have a group of six people and no one's excited to talk about it, and so you get that deer in the headlights kind of start. <laughs> yeah. Right. For me, it's simple to go, well, in my experience, here's something, and I can tie, and then, okay, well, maybe now we're thinking, oh, something like that, yeah, I had the same kind of project, and right. we were working on, and then it can go from there. Right. Um, so I use my own personal experiences a lot of time to hopefully spark a dialogue if maybe there isn't one. Or to try to rein it back and show how what we're talking about is relevant to what you're going to do one hour from class. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Great suggestion. I think, too, people shouldn't be afraid of of silence. Yeah. I think in class, when you talk about doing activities or or asking them a question, like, what project have Mm -hmm. you managed, it's hard to give them time to think. Yeah. Because there's that minute where, where you do get the deer in the headlights and you're like, ooh, do you understand my question? Do you need help? And there's always that kind of processing time that you have to think, is this too much? Is this too little? And with adults especially, yeah. people want time to have a, a good answer. Yeah. I think that is something that so many teachers struggle with, sort of allowing an appropriate amount of time to have their students come up with whatever it is they want to share. Um, And I always say to teachers, you know, when you're sitting in the student's position, you're being asked a question that you weren't expecting, right? Because you don't know exactly what comes next on the plan. So you're asked a question maybe about your past experience. So first you have to comprehend all the words in that question. Then you have to search your memory for whatever experience you had that you can now contribute. Then you have to come up with the words to express that experience. Then you have to get the confidence to actually say it. So there's so much work behind each student's contribution where, yeah, we really do have to acknowledge that they're doing all those things at one time. I totally agree. If you're working on yeah. you know, structured activities, I think that, in my experience, like intermediate and above... They're the ones that they get it, yeah. but they just need some time. So yeah. if it's silent, they probably understand exactly what it is I'm asking, exactly. but they're processing it. Right. If we're lower than that, they might not understand <laughs> what I've asked, so right. maybe I need a follow-up just to clarify the question. Okay, you, you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. But, yeah. yeah, intermediate and above, I've had students that um, they will say that, like, can we have a minute? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Right. It's like when you ask a native English speaker, what was the best birthday you ever had? I mean, I don't know the answer to that right. question you don't right walk away. Around with that on the top. No, I gotta think about that here. Like, give me a second. So yeah. I've played around a lot with silence and experimented a lot with silence in the classroom. And when you can finally be comfortable with a silent classroom, with people thinking I kind of feel like it makes you look more confident, too, because you're not bothered by that, that wait time. Is there anything else we can do that will really sort of help our students? In other students I've had, culturally, they, they expect too much from themselves. Mm. So they'll say, I, I have six months to learn. How right. fast do you think I can learn English? I'm like, well, you'll be better in six months, right. but you're not going to be fluent. Right. And um, even during class, it's not usual, but I think that there's some students that are working too hard, Mm. that maybe they've got already a 40 or more hour work week, and then they're asking you for homework or for tips or for extra stuff, and they're overwhelming themselves. Yeah, yeah. Students who perhaps have 
a specific goal set by someone else for them. For example, maybe they have to participate in a business trip and give a presentation in an English-speaking country in November, right? Right, so they've got that clock counting down. Exactly. I've had that exact experience. Yeah. yeah. And every week, it's on their minds, like, yeah. hey, six more months, right. and it's, exactly. it's happening. That date is coming, yes. and I yeah. need to be ready for it. Yeah, and they'll look to you with everything that you do in class. They'll think, how will that benefit me in my presentation? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, I don't want to do it. And you can't teach that way because you know as the teacher what's best for your student and you know what tools they will need, whether they're giving a presentation or just, you know, writing a couple emails from now until November. So it is really important to not let that student's pressure affect what you know to be right. Because so often I've seen teachers influenced by that and they start printing out lists verbs to remember, phrases to remember, and students get very obsessed with those things. And then they realize, even though I've been reading this list for the past three weeks, nothing sticks. Which is obvious, because you're not learning, you're just reading words. I also think just like the simple matter of encouragement, like offering them positive feedback and recognizing when they've remembered something that they previously had trouble with, you know, and saying, that was great, good job, you know, and just recognizing the improvement that they're making can make a huge difference and make them feel like, oh, hey, I am getting better, I am remembering things, right? and I'm, you know. I'll find myself, like, getting really excited about something that I never thought I would be excited about before. Like, someone will pronounce something, I'll be like, say it again, say it again! Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, like exactly. for weeks they haven't been able to say it, and then right. nail it, and then like I'm, I'm like hands in the air celebrating yeah. the pronunciation yeah. of a two-syllable English word, and <laughs> right. it's like made my day. Right. And there's two, hopefully. And right. My excitement, I hope, kind of shows them that like yes, this is such a simple thing, but this is a milestone, and yeah. those can be the things that can can drive that motivation. If you know, trudging along, and then some minor success, yeah, yeah. celebrate it. Definitely. <laughs> For me, it's, yes, these. These are big deals, even if they don't seem like, you know, it's a big deal. Right, Absolutely. right. I think with corporate students, we might sort of feel shy sometimes to give that praise or, or even error correction because we think, oh, the dynamic might be weird. My students perhaps are older than me. They know way more about business than I do. And how am I supposed to... You have no. to throw that out the window. Exactly. Because yeah. you know more about English than them. Exactly. So yeah. You're not, you're exactly. not the authority in, in audits for multinational banks. Yeah. Right. Got it. But you are the authority in this English class. Exactly. And exactly. they expect you to be, so right. you know, right. act like it. And right. Right. It becomes easier. I, I don't think that you're ever going to offend someone with error correction. Right. And you know, you're going to do a disservice if you're, if you're not involved in that. So many teachers need to hear that because I know from experience, from meeting with teachers, the biggest or the most common thing I hear is error correction. I feel weird correcting. I don't know how to do that well so that they remember the correction. You know, there's more than one way to do any kind of error correction. So, I don't know, some students you find something works better for them. Um, I've had students tell me, you know, as soon as I say it, stop me and tell me. Right. And for me, that's an unnatural way to do it because yep. I'm interrupting the flow of it. But I, I do have one student in particular who said, yes, this is this is what I want you to do. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. For me, typically, I, I'm listening and I'm making notes. And then when we finish, okay, 
this is what I heard you say. Right. Let's talk about this, and then you know you can show the other words that sound similar, and, and right. you, you guys yeah. know from the pronunciation aspect of it. But for me, it's not that I keep like a running list of errors, but when I hear them, I make note. Yeah. Okay, there is an appropriate time to address that. For yeah. me, it's not interrupting it. That would be super uncomfortable for me. So yeah. I understand. Yeah. You don't let them finish yeah. their, their train of thought. Yeah. yeah. So I, and I get that it's difficult to you know to. But also I think it's a lot about gauging the situation. Like you wouldn't want to interrupt them if, if they're producing the language. You know, that's that's your mm -hmm. aim, that's your goal. Like you yeah. want to let them finish. And then after, sometimes it could be as simple as just repeating the verb back to them. Like right. in the way that they said it and just wait for a moment. Because usually they'll, oh, right. And if they don't catch themselves, give them that moment to self-correct. Right. And then if they don't, then you can, after they finish their train of thought, go back and... Right. I think giving those prompts, giving that independence to your students to correct their own errors, whether you sort of write what it was that they said on the board and they have to find the error, or if you verbally prompt them this word, and they can sort of say, oh, yeah, no, that's not right. I don't know how it should be, but I can tell from the situation that that's not right. Exactly, yeah. And I really think it's important to stress that idea that you'd be doing your students a disservice by not addressing their errors because later on they'll transform that error into a habit and it'll become something that to them sounds right because they've said it so many times and no one has corrected them. Yeah. And then when, they, when someone will finally correct them, they'll feel a little bit silly that they've been saying that yeah. with confidence for so long too. Yeah. But I think it's important too not to not to overcorrect. Um, mm -hmm. I think especially when I was starting, um, I wasn't comfortable error correcting, and then I had people say, "Don't be afraid, don't worry uh, about it." Yeah. And then you get to a point where, especially if it's one on one, yeah, maybe you start saying, "It's not this, it's this, it's not this, it's this," right. and, and you just say, every time they make a mistake, that's not correct. Right. So I think it's important to find. A balance, maybe yeah. like you guys said, to let them finish, and choose maybe one aspect. Like I, I had a group last night, yeah, where we were working on questions, so they were really struggling with are and do, oh, yeah. and and is, yeah, and it was kind of easy to make that correction when they finished a, a question, yeah, and even for the other students to join in and start saying no, that's not how you say it, and have them correct each other, yeah. So it's important to find a balance between correcting everything all the time right. whenever they yeah. talk. Definitely. Part of it's level and yeah. student yeah. expectations, yeah. right? You know, yeah. the more advanced you are, they really want to sound sure. like a native. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm working with my group that's I mean truly true starters, yeah. I mean we wouldn't get anywhere if I spent no. the entire class yes. talking about pronunciation. You know, yeah. we had yeah. one past tense word that came up and they wanted to know all the reasons or, or the ways to pronounce E D for past tense. Ooh, In two years, I will, <laughs> we will go over all I'll of this. I'll be there That's with great. you. Yeah. <laughs> right now, oh man, we've got a lot of other things that are much, much more important in your, your base learning yeah. you know, to worry about. So, yeah, you absolutely have to, to find that balance and, and what's appropriate for yeah. your student. And usually they'll tell you. If they're advanced enough, they right. can tell you exactly. And if they're not advanced enough, then you know. Maybe not as much. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I tone it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to talk about what sort of issues we might encounter when teaching corporate students. And by issues, I mean 
um, maybe attendance related or we we actually touched on a bit of an issue earlier by saying maybe our students expectations would be very unrealistic so that's something we'd have to work with are there any other issues that a teacher could expect to encounter in the corporate classroom yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think um, especially with attendance or, or being late yeah because you know they're they're at work Sometimes right. meetings run over, or they or they ask to leave early because they have to prepare for a meeting that they have, right. or they don't sort of seem all there during class because they're stressed mm -hmm. out because they have a meeting or or right. a presentation that, that that's on their mind. Right. So that's something that that arises absolutely. Yeah. And so especially with the arriving late to class or asking to leave early, mm -hmm. I mean this time is a benefit for them. But yeah. work does come first. Right. So I think just not taking that personally. Like yeah. they don't want to be in your class or they're not interested because, I mean, they're coming. Right. But they're working too. Yeah. yeah. And especially some of, of, the, of the students like are upper level management and they have, you know, I mean, a lot on their plate and, and, right. they're, and they're, they're very stressed out. So sometimes it also helps in class to just take a minute, breathe. Yeah. <laughs> it's, we're fine. Now we're going to speak in English yeah. and learn some English, but recognize that, I mean, they're, they're people. Yeah. And I think especially if they're upper management, it's the case that they're on their phone because they have texts or calls or, or whatever. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's better to say it's okay to answer your phone if you need to for, yeah. for two minutes or however long. Just don't worry about interrupting this. Yeah. It's important for you to do your job as yeah. well as learn English and it's going to be a distraction. Um, if it's a group setting, they'll usually themselves get up and leave. Yeah. And I think, again, that's that's okay. totally okay. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe it can be striking the first time you experience that. Right. But then you just have to empathize with their situation. Yeah. Exactly what you know, we've been saying. For me, with a group class, if I meet Monday and Wednesday with a group, mm -hmm. um, at the end of class, part of my wrap-up is, is anyone... Um, thinking they won't be able to make class next time, or their meetings, or their trips, because I, I want kind of a heads up, if possible, you know, because yeah. when you plan group activities and then one person shows up, okay, the dynamic of the class changes, yeah. it's okay, but yeah. it happens. Yeah. I have students who perpetually are late or have to leave early, and it's typically unexpected. Yeah. We've talked about it, I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, it's fine, I understand, because and we've, we've said it here already, it, this is a benefit for them. Yeah. And if they can make it, that's great. And they want to be there, but at the end of the month, if their sales goal isn't met, their boss isn't asking them what level in, in yeah. English they are. Right. They don't care. Right. It's, why didn't you sell more into Jumbo this month? No. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, right. Oh, you got 100% on your test over Unit 3? All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, the cell phone stuff that comes up, and, and you get, again, this is like adults acting like kids. They try to hide the phone. Yeah. You can step out. It's fine. Just go. Yeah. It's totally fine. Yeah. Just go do it. So, yeah. I don't know. You just got to remember they're adults with other responsibilities. If somebody was telling me to get off my phone in my job, I would be annoyed with them, too. So, yeah. I, I would never tell someone that. Right. And usually, the students want to be there. So yeah. you know that they, you can almost see that they feel like they're disappointing you. But, yeah. And right. so I'm reassuring to say, I get it. Yeah. Right. Know, I've right. been there. It's fine. Right. Exactly. I'm sure it's cultural for here with the, the being on time thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've, yeah. I've got some students that are just, I know they're going to be late. Yeah. You know, 10 to 15 minutes, 
guaranteed they will be late. Yeah. I'm going to be on time every morning. Right. But I know that they won't be there. Right. And it doesn't change. It's been happening for months, and I don't talk about it. There's nothing to say. Right. <laughs> you know, they show up. Good to see you. All right, let's right. get going. But if it's a group, I think you have to set the expectation that we are going to begin. If you have a student, if one person is there, we will be starting. Yes. You know, this is the time, and, and we're going. And if you come in late, even to the group class, that's fine. But we aren't going to sit around, even if it's five minutes, ten minutes. We're not going to wait yeah. know, for, for more people to show up. Thank you for saying that, because that's another thing that I think a lot of teachers feel awkward about. They're not sure how to begin, how many students they should wait for before they really start the class, move on from small talk and really start. And I've always said, just start, because it, it's not fair to the one student who put the effort into showing up on time for them to sort of have that time wasted then by just, you know, not that small talk is useless, but in most cases when you're waiting for other people to show up, that small talk is useless. And I think once your late students start to realize that every time they show up late, they've missed the first 10 minutes of class, which doesn't feel good for them because they feel a little bit lost each time, that can be enough motivation to sort of have them try as much as they can to make it to class on time for next time. And I think, too, it can be a good opportunity for the other students. If yeah. you have one student late out of a group of four, then instead of going from like a group of three, you can now have partners, and one student can explain the activity yeah. to the other student. So now, instead of the student being late and losing those ten minutes, which they have, right. But the other student now has an opportunity to use English in a very constructive way. Yeah, and to show you that they've understood the first 10 minutes of class. Sure. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Patrick has the advantage of having worked in a very corporate environment. I know before. the jargon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know all the words I to do. say. Yeah. I but I think most teachers are coming into teaching corporate classes never having, you know, worked sure. in that environment before. And we talked a little bit earlier about how that could make some teachers feel uncomfortable. It's important to remember that you're, you know more in, in the English world. Um, but what else can teachers do to sort of, uh, I guess, prepare themselves or feel confident in that environment if they are sort of nervous about their age, for example, um, or their experience in teaching English or in working. Uh, what could we say so to them? So the really good news is you don't need to know about balance sheets and P&L ledgers and earnings before taxes and depreciation and supply chain management to right. work in this role. Right. Um, it can help if someone is talking about a very specific circumstance, yeah. but you don't need it. Right. Um, you really don't. So the key is your confidence. And if you're not naturally that type of person, you're, you're just going to have to fake it. Yeah. Because if you come in there, the way it works is when you walk into a room, if you appear to be the authority, then immediately you are the authority. You yeah. are an expert. If you appear comfortable, even if you're not, you are. Right. Okay, so it doesn't matter because they don't know you, and this is new for them as well. This right. is a new relationship with them, so you don't need to know anything about their world. It's yeah. just you know about English, and it can be as simple as just being, you know, confident in a social situation, and, and that's really all it is. And once you've done that, you've set the tone. I can't imagine 
having a student that would look at someone's age or experience in a corporate environment and think that they're not capable of yeah. teaching them English. So it, true. It, yeah. I understand that that can get in your own head as the teacher. Yeah. But it's not the case. You know, this is this is a delusion on your part. Mm -hmm. um, they don't. They really don't care. Yeah. You know, they want you to teach English and be a confident English teacher. So. I've always said for teachers who might be a little bit nervous teaching the first corporate lesson, all you need to do, and maybe this seems like not the easiest thing, but I really think all you need to do is teach your students something in the first class and get them to like you. I agree completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because whether they're being forced to learn English or not, if all they've gotten out of that first class is a relationship with you and they like you, they'll come back for the second one because you'll be there. Yeah. You know? And they like you. Um, and then you can start to prove, you know, how much you know about English. You just have to really be confident in the English that you're teaching and just that idea of, you know, sort of fake it yeah, <laughs> until you make I, it. I think for me it just it's part of my rapport building. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. in that first step. Okay. They're telling them they're telling each other about each other, and, right. and I'm talking about me. And yeah, but I mean, it's also, um, I think, important and very easy to just ask them, uh, what do they do? What's their job? Yeah. What's their title? What kind of things do they do they work on right. every day? Like, do they have any special projects? And they always want to talk about right. Who yeah. doesn't want to talk about right. themselves? Right. None of it's, <laughs> yeah. none of it's yeah. that complicated. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Right. exactly. Like, so. They tell people all the time what they do. Right. <laughs> You can just listen. Like I, um, I work with someone who's the manager of, of food safety. Mm -hmm. I don't really know anything about that. Right. But when he wants to, um, he's interested in marketing. So you know, I watched a TED talk and we right. worked on it in class. You know, right. you can, you can, a little bit of research. Yeah. Uh, read a couple articles. Uh, watch a TED talk or two. I mean, you it's just like a little homework. Right. I mean, you don't need to have. Um, all this experience in the corporate world right. or, or a background in that too, I mean, to, to just do a little research and right. sort of brush up on your terminology. Right. Yeah. It just helps you cater to them, right? Exactly. And then they feel like, oh, this is really individualized. This is not some rubber-stamped program that I'm going through. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And I think, too, like you said, they like to talk about themselves. So if someone says, I'm a manager of food safety, you say, I have no idea what that is. Will you spend some time explaining that yeah. to me? And they love to choose that. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, asking questions uh, like that would just be really helpful, yeah. you know. Uh, whether you do know what they're talking about or not, I think it's, it's always then just good practice for them. Um, I think something that you can do before you even get to class is when you're assigned a class and you know what company that student works for, if you've never heard of that company, just look it up. See, you know, try and figure out more or less what they do. Uh, that happens quite frequently with me when I see a, a new course assigned. And I'll go ask the account manager. They'll give me a little briefing, I'll look it up, and then, then I, I feel more comfortable talking to you guys, the teachers, about how to prepare for that class. Um, and it doesn't take long to do that type of research. You don't need a business background to do that research. Um, I think yeah. that's really important, to just know what happens at their office. Yeah, Even yeah. if you can, you can tell someone, they do this, but really go, I don't know what that is, but right. this is what they do. Because 
again, that's part of that initial rapport and right. showing, I don't know, it's, to me it's just a sign of respect to your students. Yeah. So like, hey, I, I, I know right. what you're doing here, and right. even if you don't know the details, it yeah. doesn't matter. But right, you've exactly. at least shown, I do care enough to find out what it is you're doing. Exactly. Right, yeah. exactly. And like, I, we've all said it, but confidence is key. Like, <laughs> if you just go in and you know that you have a specific set of valuable skills that you are, and you're helping them achieve a goal, then you can... I mean, move forward that way because yeah. if you go in and you're just like, I don't really know what this company's about, or I don't, I don't have any experience in this, and, and you you can sense when someone doesn't have any confidence, right. or yeah, and and then then they don't have confidence in you because right. you don't have confidence in yourself. Yeah, I think part of showing students that you're there for them is admitting when you don't know something, Ooh, yeah. which I think can be really difficult to say to a group, especially in the corporate world, yeah. just to say, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we talked a bit about jargon, and one of my students, I think it was giveaway, he was talking about giveaway in a context I'd never heard, and mm. he showed me on his computer the definition that he was talking about, Right. and I was like, I've never heard it this way, yeah. and that was okay, he knew I didn't know it. Right. And he had a chance to explain it to me. And um, there's been cases that students have asked me a grammar point, a very specific, specific grammar point. And I, I can say to them, I don't know the answer right now. Yeah. Next class, I will try and find that out. Right. And you have to learn how to say, I don't know this, but I'll do my best to find out. And, and that's okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But also the next class. Um, I think that's great. Yeah. Follow up because they'll yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely, definitely. What I like to do in those situations is sort of um, again experimenting with silence. I'll show my students that I need to think about it, so I'll sort of look away and genuinely be thinking about it, and then with confidence, sort of let them know this is a really good question, and mm. I don't know if I can give you the answer right now. Yeah. So let me make a note, and I want them to see me noting that down so then they can sort of trust that I'm going to go away and look it up and follow up with them for next class. I think as long as you can feel confident making that decision yeah. and saying that you don't know, no one's going to be judging you on that, yeah. and they'll really respect the fact that you did go away, look it up, and come back and teach it to them really well and clearly because you've given yourself the time to do that. Yeah. yeah. And they're really understanding about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and again, it's, it's about just have the confidence to say it and then actually follow and up. Actually, <laughs> exactly. That part is key. Because if you don't do that, then you look like you don't know and you're lazy, <laughs> which that is really bad. But if you do follow up, then it looks like you didn't know, but you put the work in because you care, and now you taught it well. Yeah. Something we haven't talked about, the topic of games. You can mm. absolutely use games with corporate students. Don't yes. think it has to be some super stuffy environment. And yeah. They have that most of their day. Yeah. So um, adults are just as competitive as everybody else in the world, yeah. so the key is find something that's challenging enough right. and that teaches some point that you're going. Yeah. I mean, you can take any game that is maybe good for kids, but they're going, we already know this. and Right. What's uh, the purpose here? Right. So yeah. find something with some purpose, but, and part of it, I guess, too, is, is gauging your group. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. This is a lot of really good information, really good advice, I think, for especially new teachers uh, or teachers that are new to 
the corporate class environment. So thank you so much for your ideas and tips and experience also. Sure.